Welcome to Career and Leadership Real Talk, the no-nonsense guide for ambitious managers who want to have more impact and progress their career. I'm Pamela Langan, a job search coach and expert CV writer specialising in helping frustrated professionals land the jobs and pay rises they know they deserve. And I'm Jackie Jagger, a leadership and mindset coach specialising in helping newly promoted and new to role leaders to avoid the dickhead trap and lead with confidence. Between us, we've helped hundreds of leaders and managers to find new roles, take ownership of their careers, and handle the challenges that job searches and leadership responsibility inevitably bring. And now we're joining forces to share with you what we know has worked for our clients. Hello, and welcome to this week's episode. We've got a belter for you, if we do say so ourselves, today, and we are celebrating 50 episodes. So this podcast has been going now for nearly a year, and we hope that you are enjoying it, and please do continue to message us, send us your topics you'd like us to cover. So today we're covering something which has been asked a number of times by both Pam's clients and mine, and this is around building trust when you are managing a new team. So when you go into a new role, whether that's a result of an internal promotion, whether you change jobs, when you're leading and managing a new team, there is that kind of time frame of, okay, how do I go from the new person to building the level of trust that I want and need to be able to ensure that my team can perform at the best? So Pam, first off, how would you define trust? Because this question gets asked and often we're okay so what do you mean by trust and checking that our definition is the same so when you're talking about it with clients what do you mean when you're talking about trust so I think with trust there's definitely two levels of trust isn't there there's that surface level trust which I will do what I say I will do or I will trust people to do what they say they will do and then you've got that deeper level of trust where we're talking about the psychological safety and also trusting that you can be yourself or you can allow people to be themselves and not judge or blame or criticize them so I think that there's two real clear angles to trust there isn't that yeah and as a manager you also have that element of it's whether you're building that trust in the sense of you want them to trust you but also it's how you build that trust so that you can trust members of your team and then there's all that kind of dynamics of ensuring that the team trust each other and then you layer on those two different levels so I feel like there's an awful lot to it which is probably why this is such a common question of how do I go from brand new to having all of those levels of trust with all of those people so If someone is new then, they've worked with you, their job search has landed them, their dream job, and they're going in on day one, what do you suggest to people about how they can go about building trust? So I think with that and going into a completely new space, a new environment, you've got to get to know people, they've got to get to know you. And if you go into a new environment, you need to create opportunities intentionally and definitely not leave it to chance because a lot of people think to build trust you just need to build rapport with people you just need to get to know them and find out about what they do outside of work and get to know them on a personal level and then you start building that trust when actually it does go a lot deeper 
it's not just about getting to know somebody on a personal level. That's great. And that can be the first part of building trust. But it does go much deeper on that surface level or from that surface level perspective. It is about making sure that, you know, you are meeting your commitments, that you are being reliable and consistent. So if you're planning in meetings, that you are actually turning up for those, you're not canceling them and rescheduling them, that you are showing a level of consistency and reliability to your team from the word go, really. And it's interesting because a lot of when we were planning for this episode, what we were very mindful of, it's a lot of the advice that we're sharing and a lot of the tips that we give people are very simple. They're also very easy to either forget or not to be consistent with. So I think just even that element of getting to know people on a personal level, for some people that comes really naturally and they go in and they will have those conversations with each member of their team. But if I reflect, and I've talked before about how when I was employed and earlier in my career, I found small talk really tricky. And I feel like I actually probably was the other way sometimes that I didn't put enough emphasis on some of that stuff with new team members because there was naturally a work slant, there's something to focus on, there's a a point of discussion or what have you. But I feel like I could have been much more intentional on that side when I was employed of being a human as well as a boss and getting to know just more about what kind of drives people. And I think what I've seen recently in my work is that with leadership development, so much now of the hybrid and remote environment, you have to be even more intentional because you don't have those natural conversations. So you have to be even more intentional and more mindful of some of that non-work stuff because you turn up on a Teams meeting and it feels like the topic for the day is this and it's very easy to just go straight into it. And if you're new and you don't know people already, that can feel on the receiving end to be a bit dismissive or that you're not interested and that's almost certainly not your intention but that's how it can feel is that okay this person's coming in and they're a work person and they just want to talk about work and it's harder to do later than it is to start from that perspective and that bit you were talking about about scheduling meetings and being on time and that side of it again sounds so simple I remember a CEO that I worked with And there was a week where I think there was four scheduled meetings and not one did they turn up for. And again, I'm kind of like, okay, that doesn't feel great to be on the receiving end of. And even if you are really busy and you feel like people will understand, again, it's just really damaging to the relationship, isn't it? Of how that feels to be on the receiving end of. It suggests that whatever else you were doing, you've prioritized, you've seen that as more important. And it's that relationship piece. It's hard to unpick. If you do damage to it, you've got to get back to an even keel first and then start to build it. Yeah, definitely. And I also like what you said there about find out what drives people. Because early on in my corporate career, like making small talk was a nightmare for me. In fact, I think I've mentioned it in a few episodes that like in in a one-to-one with my manager at the time, I was pulled up on the fact that I don't make small talk. I should make more small talk that I'm just very much 
down to business and to a point I was but with my team and the people that that reported into me it was very much about understanding what drove them what drives them how they like to be managed now as soon as I understood that that made it easier for me to be their leader to be their manager because once I understood what they expect from me and how they want to be managed and the level of information that they need, then that made it easier for me to to make small talk with them to start with, but also uh, to know how they like to be managed. So you can really, when you understand somebody on, on that level, how they want to be managed, what their expectations are, because every single person on your team is going to be different. Some people will like you to, to keep them at arm's length and some people are a little bit more intense and they they want regular updates or check-ins or they want that little bit of conversation with you about the weekends and things like that and I think once you understand that from each individual that makes it easier then to manage those individuals and then manage the team overall and that is where I think you you really get that kind of deeper level of trust as well because once you understand what drives someone and not just asking them about what did you get up to at the weekend and where you're going on holiday and those general questions that we you know instantly relate to small talk it's take it down a level and talk to them especially if it's a new team like talking to them about where they've been in their career like before you've arrived like what does their previous career history look like like how did they get to where they are now what are their future career aspirations how do they like to be managed what is the best approach for you two to work together do you know it's just asking those questions isn't it that gives you that real deeper level of understanding and I suppose that links in as well to that deeper level of that psychological safety as well doesn't it yeah and I think we would always recommend that when you take over a new team, plan in a one-to-one with each and every member of that team pretty quickly, certainly within the first couple of weeks, and try and do them pretty close together. So don't, if you've got a team of six, don't make one person wait for two weeks and one person's got it tomorrow because that person has to wait longer potentially feels like they're in limbo and they haven't had the chance to get to know you and it's two weeks other people have had a head start although it can be challenging and that like a one-to-one doesn't have to be a big formal sit-down affair I talk about them as check-ins and that kind of a slightly more casual approach slightly more conversational focused rather than it being a kind of one-to-one review I think just makes it a little bit easier so Asking those types of questions that you've just shared can give you some great conversations in that first one-to-one. You don't have to ask people to share their life story. You don't have to get overly personal with people. That's stuff that can be really interesting to hear about what people have done, how they like to be managed, what do they think of what's going on. And it can yield so much great information. And I think the art of talking is overemphasized and the art of listening is underemphasized. And so just listening to people in that first couple of weeks, especially giving them some time where you want to listen, you want them to talk to you is going to feel really refreshing. And that's going to really help in terms of establishing those good, strong relationships from early on. There's always a question, isn't there, with a new team? How open and transparent should you be? 
So you're typically probably going to be in that kind of assessment phase of part of your role as a manager is to get the most from the team. And therefore you need to have that assessment of, okay, where are they? What do I think of people? What do I think of how do I see this team fitting together and working? So you've got all of that element of having to exercise judgment. So how do you balance that with that kind of openness and transparency? So that's a good one because I think this is where a lot of leaders and managers come unstuck in those early days because you learn along the way that as a great leader, you need to be open and you need to be transparent, but then you can really fall into the trap of being too open and too transparent and then needing to backtrack on things that you didn't quite fully understand in those early days. I think the the key there is to really proceed with caution and even caveat some of the things by saying, based on what I know now, these are my thoughts. This is what I'm thinking. Maybe this is the direction we're going to go in, or this is the the initial plan I've got for the team. But things could change as I get more involved in the business, as I understand more about the team, the department, whatever our objectives are. And I think that is really crucial, isn't it? It really is. Like you say, so many people can come unstuck because someone will tell you something and you're like, yep, that makes sense. And you run that risk of over-promising and under-delivering because you, what you're looking for, and again, we would really advocate that, of find opportunity, that intentional piece, find opportunities to make a commitment and then keep it. Great, you're building trust. But in the intention of doing that, if you promise something and then you find out there's a reason that hasn't been changed or there isn't budget to do that this financial year and it's got to wait or whatever if you go in and start agreeing with people and saying yeah definitely we're going to change that I think it should be like this and you're still in that learning phase so in the episode we did on the first 90 days we talk about the the first 30 days is really a learning mandate that's what you're there to do is to create that full picture so I think yeah that's really important for people to be mindful of what I think you can be open and transparent about is yourself and your philosophy and what your values are. And I think that bit is important to be open and transparent about from early on. The risk is if you start making those promises, if you've got to backtrack, that's done the damage rather than help things. As well as one-to-ones with team members and being clear and transparent and all of that good stuff, what else can people do in those early weeks to start to build particularly more of that deeper level of trust because that's really the foundations of teams being able to have a platform for performing well once you've done the one-to-ones and you're starting to understand the business thing team meetings are going to be your next thing where you're going to bring people together and really encourage that contribution from those team members so that you're not the one that's calling all the shots and giving all of the instructions you're bringing people together to discuss what's going on and I think it's a good opportunity as well for you to kind of sense check certain things and to find out you can say up to this point this is what I'm seeing this is what I'm hearing this is the direction I'm thinking of going in what are your thoughts on this because those people will know that business best than you they'll have been in their roles probably longer than you at that point it's good to create that environment where you can have that sense check but also where you can bring those people together 
and encourage them to contribute. When you first take over, everyone's going to be in a different situation, but there might have been some trust issues in the past. It's a good opportunity to start fixing those, but it's also a good opportunity to start how you mean to go on as well. I really like the way that you've described that there, because I think, again, an easy mistake to make is to feel like when you're running your first team meeting, that it's the you show and you should have the agenda and you should be almost presenting back what you found so far and what you think the priorities need to be and put pressure on yourself to provide answers. And actually, if you go into especially a first team meeting with a new team and you're sharing all of your thoughts, that can be really damaging to trust because that that psychological safety element especially because as soon as you've said something the assumption in the room then is that's your fixed view and if somebody disagrees it's really hard if there's not already trust for them to share a different view whereas what you were describing was that element of involvement and encouragement to share different views rather than you sharing your own views. I think that's a really important message. Team meetings are so often so undervalued with within businesses. I'm always astonished at how few people have a regular cycle of bringing their team together. And when it comes to building trust, they are so valuable. How do you feel then on the topic of when you go into a team, because there's two schools of thought with trust, isn't there? There's, do you give trust and then take it away if needs be, or is trust something that's earned? And that debate has been going on for donkey's years. So what's your take on that one? So I am very much in the camp of give trust to start with. So every relationship, every kind of new team, every new situation that I find myself in, I will always trust first. So for me, I quite freely give that trust. And until somebody does something to break that trust, then I am of the opinion that person is trustworthy. And I think what you find as well in the corporate setting is that it's not always a breach of trust. Sometimes it can be simply a training issue, a behavioral issue, something that you need to talk through to get to the bottom of. So I'm firmly in the camp of, given trust and I find that when I do that people will trust me back a lot quicker yeah and it's an interesting one I remember a few years ago doing some leadership development workshops and there was someone who was adamant that I will not trust people until they prove themselves worthy of my trust so putting very much the onus on other people to show that they can be trusted before I will give my trust. And it was quite an old school kind of environment. And I think it's quite an old school of thought to feel that trust has to be earned. And it's interesting because if you think about how you would be as an individual, would you rather that somebody trusts you and takes it away if you do something to break that trust? Or would you rather that you have to earn that trust? It's a Mm no-brainer. So as a leader, if you're expecting people 
to earn your trust, you're almost giving that message that you see them and you as being on different levels. You don't see yourself in the same light. In, and for me, in terms of building trust within relationships, the position that you're in and the fact that you're a boss and a leader doesn't matter. Like you, I've always found that far better results come from leaders who give trust. I feel like if you were just going to make people try and jump through hoops, you don't seem very trustworthy. Why would they trust you if you're not prepared to trust them? Interestingly as well, I feel like that at a subconscious level is often about people not trusting themselves and not trusting their own judgment. So what I've seen is that people sometimes will be a case of, oh, I don't want people to run rings around me. I've been promoted. I've started this new role and I don't want to give the trust in case people abuse it. And it's really about vulnerability. It's, I don't want people to run rings around me. I don't know if I can really hold their trust. So I feel like often it's that not feeling like your judgment is sound and true, not feeling like you can get the best out of people. It's a lot of those insecurities and doubts that are natural when you start a new role that can come out to play in that kind of situation. Have you seen people that have had that element of making people prove themselves to other people? Yeah, I've seen it so many times and I've worked for managers and leaders that have done that to me and I really don't enjoy that way of work. If I feel like somebody doesn't trust me, they don't get my best work. They, they just don't because I've constantly got that in the back of my mind that this person doesn't trust me and it, it has the opposite effect on me. So rather than me then want to prove to them that they can trust me, I go the opposite and I'm like, well, if you don't trust me, then I'm going to be doing anything additional to help you out with that because I am trustworthy and I'm good at my job and I'll always do everything that I say that I'll do. So yeah, I don't respond well to that. And I don't think most people do. And I think particularly the people who are trustworthy, you have to assume that most people in the world are decent people. And most people, in my experience, and like you, I, I give it. And then if someone proves themselves unworthy of that, fine, I'll handle that. But I think that also comes from having seen those examples and seen the result and observed people like you who are decent people who then are, why should I? So I think for me, it's come from that experience of not only my own experience of being willing to give trust freely, but also I've seen the results that people don't get from that other approach. And I think it, it's about trusting yourself to be alert to it, aware of if people are going to take the mickey, you're going to notice it and you are going to be able to address it and deal with it. And your team is not going to perform until that trust is there. It's foundational in, in all high performing teams. There is a good level of both surface level trust, people meeting their commitments. And there's also that deeper level trust where people feel like it's okay to be me. I'm not going to be blamed or criticized. Also coming back to what you were saying there, blame is a real crucial one that can really damage trust. Have you seen examples of, of that with either your own employment or with clients and how that impacts on trust? 
Yeah, I think, and that that's the thing with blame. Blame's a real funny thing, isn't it? Because when people feel under attack, they will blame others. It is something that we do. It's human nature, but it can be really, really damaging to the relationship. If your team members are seeing you blame other people for things without kind of having the full story or knowing knowing what's going on, if it's a reaction to an attack, then that can affect how people trust you as well because rather than taking something away and thinking about it and finding out all the facts and everything, just instantly dishing out blame, it's not my fault or whatever. And as a leader, I've always taken the approach that everything that happens is my responsibility. Whether it's my fault or not, that's another story. But I will always take responsibility in the first instance and say, okay, what do we need to do here? What has happened? What has gone wrong? Or what's gone well as well? It's not just about what's gone wrong, but I will always take immediate responsibility for for whatever happens and then look into it in a bit more detail, understand what's happened, and then think about what conversations need to happen from that point. And I think that is one thing that really helped me to build trust with my team, that I would always take responsibility in the first instance, regardless of has someone made a mistake or did somebody say the wrong thing or did somebody share something in a meeting that they shouldn't have. If somebody comes to me with an issue, this has happened, your team's done this or such and such a person has done that, it's let me have all of the information let me look into it, let me have some conversations and not blame anybody for anything until I've got the full facts. And usually when you get the full facts, you can move away from that blame game, can't you? And it is, it's when you work for a manager or a leader who blames other people for things that have happened and never takes responsibility, I always find it hard to trust them people because I think, have they got my back? And that's the, the key thing, isn't it? That's exactly the phrase that was running through my head as you would describe in that scenario. That's the question that people want to know when they want to know whether they can trust you. The question that at a subconscious level they're answering for themselves is, have you got my back? And so that's how you need to aim for your team to feel is that good, bad, or indifferent, that you have got their back. That doesn't mean you can't challenge them. It doesn't mean you can't stretch them. It doesn't mean you can't be setting the bar high. But fundamentally, do they feel that you've got their back? Because that's what allows that safety. That's what allows that deeper level of trust. What's also occurred to me, as you were describing that situation, is the importance of recognizing that what people have previously experienced will still be present for them when you take over a team. So if they've had one of those managers who didn't take responsibility or who they felt blamed or criticized, and that's whether it's an individual or whether it's the team collectively have felt some of that, then it will take a bit of adjustment for them to recognize. So almost in a way, the first time that something doesn't go brilliantly is a great opportunity for you to show that approach and for you to show because it will be like night and day. If they're used to someone who, as soon as somebody makes a mistake, shouts the odds and goes off and is is really unhappy about it, if you're that person that says, okay, 
that's maybe not an ideal situation. How do we fix it? What do we need to do? How do we make sure that we prevent it from happening again? Then that difference in approach straight away will really be noticed. And so almost you can look for those opportunities and be mindful that the first few times that something goes wrong, simply by taking that really measured approach and by acknowledging what's gone wrong and focusing on improving, that can really start to help people to feel more settled and to feel that they can tell you when things aren't ideal or if they've made a mistake. Because if they've been used to a manager or a leader, either immediately before or at some point in their past who doesn't do that, that's what they need to see from you in order for that trust to be built. So is there anything else before we wrap up that you would say new leaders need to be aware of to be able to build trust? I think the key thing is just always going into situations with an open mind and going into those new situations, being curious and don't make assumptions, don't make any judgments in the early days and just let it all unravel. Learn as you go, speak to as many people as you can, get loads of different perspectives and just getting to know those people that you're basically looking after in your team. And the the quicker you do that, the easier it's going to be to build trust and the easier and the quicker it's going to be to start delivering what you need to deliver in that role as well. Yeah, that's great advice. And I think it's that element of be intentional, but also be mindful that it does take a bit of time. It doesn't just happen overnight. So be intentional, be open-minded and be willing to share that journey with the team that you are now leading or managing. So thank you so much for joining us for our 50th episode. We will be back next week with number 51. And as ever, we would love it if you would rate and review on your podcast platform of choice and also share this episode with anyone that it might be helpful for. So maybe somebody who's taken over a new team, who's on their job search and is going to be in that situation soon. And please do, as ever, message us with anything that you would like us to cover on future episodes. Thanks for listening and we'll catch you again next time.